2: In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you.
3: I was just unable to deal with reality. I was unable to cope with my emotions, so I would need to either kill myself or get back on the drugs. And that was sort of how it was for the last two years prior to um, being incarcerated.
2: Uh, This week is part two of my chat with Stu Holmes. And just to fill you in, uh, Stu Holmes had a blessed childhood. Uh, loving, supportive parents and sisters and education many would just dream of. But it wasn't enough. Stu had never had to work too hard because much just seemed to fall into his lap. He had the ability to do so much with his life, but he didn't. He avoided responsibility and wore it like a badge. Alcohol became his friend and it took priority over everything else. He floated through his 20s doing different jobs, including a backpacker party host in Cairns and, would you believe, a tarot card reader in Byron Bay, as you do, Um, until Stu discovered that recruitment was his thing. And out of that, he formed a very successful recruitment company with a mate. But alcohol and drug taking began to rule his life and ruin it along with friendships and relationships, and it was never going to end well. Stu eventually found himself in a very dark and lonely place where he believed ending his life was the only answer. He'd lost his wife, his children, his friends, his reputation, his career, and everything else that he had. In his mind, his life was worthless. His behaviour became so erratic That he held up a post office with a knife, which led to a term of imprisonment for armed robbery. And that's where everything changed. Prison gave Stu an opportunity to dry out and to think about what a mess he'd made of his life. And this was his chance at redemption and trying to make up a little of that mess that he'd made. After his release, he founded a recruitment agency called the Green Collar Brigade, which in conjunction with WISE Employment Group, it helps those coming out of prison find meaningful employment and believes that everyone deserves a second chance. How could you argue with that? Well, I can't anyway. So welcome to week two of my chat with Stu. And this week, I talk more to Stu about the effect not being able to see his kids had on him, and more about the difficulties in dealing with what he'd put his family through, and how even to this day, he hasn't really spoken in any detail with his mum, because of the guilt he carries with what he's put her through. He also talks about the article, which really turned his life around, but at the time, the humiliation it caused. And of course, more about his brilliant concept in helping those in prison get employment. His attitude is just so captivating and inspiring and motivating, bit of everything. Anyway, uh, welcome to week two. Have a great week. During that party lifestyle that you had, that phase, did you ever think at any point that you needed to stop or take some sort of control? Were you capable of thinking that?
3: Yeah, look, I'll... I'll just add something to what you were saying about. Yeah, I deal yep. with things sometimes with humour, and I try and lighten it. And it was funny on on my Facebook feed the other day. Um, a, I've got a one year old baby daughter now, and I had um, uh, a an ad an ad popped up with a onesie, and the onesie said, and the, the onesie said, um, I spent nine months on the inside. Um, my parents are now. Um, my parents now deal with a life sentence, and um, I shot that through to mum, and yeah. um, I think she responded with too soon. <laughs> but uh, so I, 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 it's trying to. Um, I, I, I try to. I try to lighten it, and then maybe um, yeah. I'll deal with it in some other way. But it's really for my boys, you know, just on that. On that as yeah. well. Um, the, yeah. my boys were what instigated me to say oh, I'm not going to die here they, they, they both go to very good schools and I don't want them to be teased um, your dad was in jail and I want them to be proud of me so that was a really big driver and I want my family to be to be proud of me I dragged my <clears throat> my family name through the mud and that's a big driver yeah so but <clears throat> when it was spiraling out of control um, <clears throat> I I, I I was in that um, I was in that spiral where I, I couldn't so um, I was taking a lot of ice I was taking a lot of G and other and other drugs and what happens is at alcohol of course um, as I would come out of my bender um, the pain was even worse I missed my boys so much so I didn't have access to them and I'd, I'd lost um, I'd lost that through the courts and I was just unable to deal with reality. I was unable to cope with my emotions, so I would need to either kill myself or get back on the drugs, and that was sort of how it was for the last two years prior to um, being incarcerated.
2: I can't imagine, and it happens a lot, that when you are separated from your children for something like going to jail or um, a court order due to your behaviour, I just can't imagine how you'd ever live with that. What that must do to your soul?
3: Yeah, um, <clears throat> it takes. It, it took me to a very dark place, and I and, I, and I'm still reconciling that. Um, Absolutely, I behaved in a manner that was not worthy of what my children deserved. Um, however, they should have still been involved in my life and uh, there was a range of reasons why that, that didn't happen. One of them was that I, I was defending myself against four or five lawyers. Um, by the end, I just couldn't afford to get good representation um, mm. And as uh, as imaginative and eloquent as I think I am, and creative with understanding what was going on, I, it was it was uh, taking a um, a knife to a gunfight, excuse the uh, obvious pun. Mm. Um, and mm. I just was unable to continue to fight. And on top of that, I wasn't passing urine tests. Um, my behaviour was erratic, oh. so okay. there was every right. That my my ex had to make that decision. I, I felt that they were better off still being in my life, and I probably still do, to be honest, Narelle. But look, really I, that
2: that that interests me, yeah. Stu, because I I'm thinking as a let's say I'm in child protection or mm. police or I'm in the courts. I would, I I do apologize, but I would think that that was a risk that I don't know if I would be prepared to take. What, you know, what if the kids um, are introduced to some of your friends? What if they see you taking ice? there's so Mm. many, you know, your erratic behavior. I'm, that's interesting that you say that you still think uh, or believe it was yeah, probably the wrong decision. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah,
3: look, there's a lot in there to unravel. I suppose a, a big part. Oh, of yeah. It, <laughs> there is, yeah, I guess a, yeah. Big, a, a big part of it was I wasn't, um, you know, except on one or two occasions, and one or two occasions is probably one or two too many. But um, I, I was a I was a, a good present dad, and I wasn't using when I was around them. I wasn't taking. Uh, I wasn't getting drunk and things like that. And um, I had a partner, and I, I think. You know, my belief is, and I'm part of several support groups. One of them, Twenty One Fathers, which is a group um, that is primarily online for, um, and it's called Twenty One Fathers because Twenty One Dads kill themselves every year because of child access, and it's sort of, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, what begets that, what what happens first. Sometimes it's the um, it's the lack of access, and it's the pain, and it's the grief that. That creates the atmosphere where drugs or alcohol seem like the best solution, um, yes. and therefore it's the it's the on and off. But the boys were never, in my opinion, in danger. Um, they always had, um, they're always looked after. And I think if we look at we look at the world in its totality about what was happening in so many families when we were growing up fifty or sixty years ago. Um, the family violence the um, the discipline that fathers would um, enact on their children um, the the drunkardness that would go on it was they, they certainly weren't being removed from their from their child's life I think there's been an overcorrection and it's just something that I believe norella and um, it's a hard one to, to completely unpick and mm-hmm. I don't um, I don't put any of this on my on my ex she was doing the best she thought she was doing what she thought was the right thing and she had the support of my family so it's just a difference a difference of opinion and I'm I'm just doing everything I can now to um, make sure that I'm the best version of me and continue to get more access to my boys.
2: Yeah so uh, do you have uh a Full access to the boys now. Like, have have you? What's the word? Mended or the relationship with your boys? Or what's the relationship like now? Look,
3: the relationship's great. I had them on Saturday. We went to the Royal Melbourne Show, and we had a a a supervisor. So I get them every three months with a supervisor. Um. So the Royal Melbourne Show hasn't gotten any cheaper, and the show bags are more shit than they've (laughs) ever been. In fact, you get like, you get like um, an Aero show bag, I think was was $6. It had two Aeros in it and four mini Kit Kats. And I'm thinking, gee, we really should have just gone them. And once upon a time, I think it's because of the short-term CEO um, society that we live in um, where yeah, once upon yeah. a time there'd be, you know, great big blow-up um, clubs and hammers and things branded in Nestle or um Cadbury, and it was about trying to get the kids uh, to really um, buy into the marketing. Maybe they're not allowed to do that now. Maybe, maybe Aww. it's um, it's unethical. Maybe it just costs too much. But there was none of that shit in there. It was just it was just a complete rip off. So Aww. the whole day cost me over two thousand dollars to get the supervisor go to the Royal Melbourne <gasps> Show and then come back and thankfully my partner's a Collingwood supporter so we were all cheering for Collingwood. And um...
2: Oh, let's let's not go there. <laughs> oh, I'm not a Collingwood supporter oh, no, and I thought that was oh, such a fantastic game. Hey, just going back to the show, it would have been and could have been a lot, well, would have been a lot cheaper to take the kids, the boys to the animals and just let them cuddle the animals. That wouldn't have cost anything. You, what were you thinking, Stuart? you
3: show me a 13 and an 11-year-old boy who wants to go and cuddle animals. Um, oh, and I'll and I'll show okay. and I'll show you a day at the Collingwood Children's Farm. No, look it was seriously we
1: did we did
3: we did mosey on through the animal section and there was a few bulls there, but you know, Henry, my youngest, is like, Yeah, hey, this stinks in here, so Back out, to yeah, the, back out yeah. to the rides and the show bags. We went, um, oh. and it was it was great because there was very few people there. So I was glad. The main reason I wanted yeah. Collingwood to be GWS was because then it would be a quieter day at the show, and it was. There was very few people there.
2: <laughs> well, there was a hundred thousand at the yeah, G. That's right. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, gee, I didn't. Well, of course I wouldn't realise because I don't know you that well, but. Um, gee that's still pretty tough and so I, I, I will move on because it's very difficult talking about your, your boys.
3: Yeah but, it's such gee- a and I, and I, oh, I only um, so I can only put the photos of them on the fridge the week before I get them um, because it hurts too much to have to think about it
2: and deal with it yeah. for the other
3: um, two months and 29 days so yeah that's um, something that I'm hoping we'll improve over time, but... Um,
2: oh, it would have to, wouldn't it? Like once you, you know, you do the time, uh, you've done it, you you agree with all the conditions, surely it, it won't take too long before you can have a, let's, you know, quote, unquote, normal relationship with them again.
3: Yeah. I, look, I can't talk about the court orders. Um, okay. But I can say that they were... Allo- they they were allowed to see me on Father's Day for half an hour. Um, that was that was um created, and also for my um, daughter's first birthday, they, they they were allowed to come unsupervised. So there is progress, and with they, yes, they're getting to an age where they'll be able to make up their own decisions. But um, we'll see. That's a as long as I keep doing the next right thing, thing, Narelle. Then um mm-hmm. things will things will change in my favour.
2: You know, I uh, just talking about court and children, not not going into the court orders with you. But I just think it's just made me think about children in court situations and these uh, situations with parents that have separated or for whatever reason, they're not with their mum and dad. I think kids aren't given enough uh, voice no. in a court, particularly the fact, you, you know, okay, you're 13-year-old, I think he is well, I would imagine most 13-year-olds are all, um, mature enough to be able to say, I want to go and stay with my dad for blah, 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 or my mum, whatever. Mm. I understand maybe little Henry, is it, might be a bit young, but I think children should have a voice in court, some representation, and for the courts to take into consideration what the kids want, not so much what the court wants, to be able to, you know, tell the court why mm. they don't want it or what they do.
3: Yeah, look, you're right, and um, but we're probably going back about seven or eight years where most of these decisions were being made, so they were much younger. And um, oh, look, it's it's a it's a long story, and and I think we've just got to look towards the future now and um, yep. what can happen. In time mm. to come, they love me very much. They cried when they left on Saturday. I haven't had my ex poison them against me at all, and mm. they're well developed and they've grown into into fine young men. And perhaps it's because of me not being in their life that they've had to deal with some emotional pain. And you know, also got a very uh, good extended family going on at the moment. So I think mm. looking at Looking at the ends justifies the means and um, whatnot. Perhaps it's perhaps it's the best. I um, will see. Time will tell. But yeah. they'll come back into my life as as, uh, as we go along.
2: I can. I have no doubt, Stu. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, I read somewhere that you had the fortune of having a good mate who was in the legal fraternity and he helped you a great deal with, uh, well, God, his wisdom, legal advice and support. And just talking about kids in the courtroom, uh, I, I just find in the justice system it's about who you know and how much money you've got as to often whether you win or lose a case or the type of representation you get. And it just doesn't seem right to me. Justice should be fair mm. for all across the board. And I'm not taking anything away from the great support of your friend because who wouldn't seek his help and accept it? Yeah. But it is about who you know, isn't it, and the money, which I just don't think is fair. It's
3: definitely about the money. I um, I I didn't have any money and, um, I, look, for me it was – yeah, he was, he was certainly helpful, but it's more, I think, about what you know. And I'd been defending myself for five years in the family court and I fostered a great deal of relationships through doing that. And I had a pretty good idea about how the system worked and I knew where to go, how to go about it. And he was a school friend and a very good school friend of mine. And he, he gave me some guidance and, and helped me with, um, organizations that i could approach for legal aid um but it was free it was so it was more um
0: hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: There wasn't money involved. Um, yeah, his his wisdom certainly did help. But I think, um, and so perhaps it is a little bit of who you know. So, I mean, I, I recently had a, um, had a guy who did our program, go and try to get his kids back and he knew me and I spoke as a witness on his behalf and he hadn't seen his kids for three years and now he sees them every second weekend. So in that way, he, he, he knew me. So I think it's important to cultivate um, yes. positive relationships and positive peer support and network support um, and that will um, perhaps come back and help you. But I think everyone has the everyone has the ability to do that, and it's um, it's educating people get to know get to know your local support groups get to know some people who can advocate on your behalf whether it 's someone who will do urine testing for you or will write a reference for you or knock on enough doors and you 'll find a legal aid you 'll find an organization that'll do legal aid most Most um, of the good law firms will do legal aid um, in order to maintain some of their uh, um, registrations or some of their, um, their credentials. And so we just need to be persistent. People need to be persistent and not give up after one phone call on legal aid on hold for half an hour. Call a firm directly. Call a few firms directly. Keep knocking on doors. Keep asking, um, and um, yeah, solutions will come that way.
2: And and I I understand exactly what you're saying, but also, you have um, um, really you are very determined. You've got belief in yourself. You've got confidence. You've you've had. Um, you've had the support but i feel for those people that don't have your determination they don't have their belief in yourself in themselves you know they're the ones that they're really vulnerable to just so many things in society and they're the ones that i feel they deserve as good a representation not as you this is out of this is not not about you it's about mm. the system and i think uh you know <laughs> People like when there are a lot of people that if they get a a knockback, they just think, you know, oh whoa 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 is me, and they they don't have that confidence, do they? No, in themselves, that self belief to think I'll just keep going. That's right. It's like oh the world, pardon me, the world's fucked. You know, yeah. Whoa whoa whoa. Yeah, it's it's hard, but um, I do appreciate. You're you lucky, no, look, to you know, you, you, what you've got, you? got you're, you're right, you? You?
3: yeah, and look, you're right, so much of it is, is attitudinal. And I, um, if they've come out of jail or if they're looking to get bail, um, then by all means, they can contact me, and I can't give them legal representation, but we can sign them on with Wise Employment, um, they can do the program with us, and they can find like-minded people who can identify with them and a bunch of people who can support them. And by doing the green collar brigade volunteering, they've got something to talk about when they see an employer. First thing an employer is going to ask them is what were you up, tell us a bit about yourself. What were you up to on the weekend? Yeah, you could say I was watching porn and smoking bongs, or you could say um, I was volunteering um, through green collar brigade at a church um, and um, yeah. I'm part of several support groups um, to address some of the previous issues that I've had um, and now so it's about putting positive spin on it and we can create yeah. an atmosphere yeah. and an environment where people feel confident to do that. So this isn't a plug for Green Collar Brigade or WISE, but this is um, where one of the, um, there's many organisations who do work with people post-release or, or pre-release getting back into into the community, but ours is is a special kind of program.
2: But it's not a plug, Stu. Well, even if it appears that it isn't because we certainly haven't discussed it, but also it's giving people some options. You know, like it's an option for them to contact the Green Collar Brigade like how can that be a bad, you know, I know you're not saying it's a bad thing, but that's got to be a good thing. You know, yeah. here is um, somebody like yourself who's offering to help somebody that's just come out of jail. They can't get legal. You know, as you said, it's not about legal aid. It's probably more about mindset yeah. and lear- learning how to go for a job, what to say, how to say. It. Um, can we go to your, the offence? So. Your life is completely – you are out of control. Drugs, alcohol, you know, partying, blah, blah, blah. Um, There was – when you got um, uh, interviewed or arrested by the police – There was a particularly humiliating article in the Herald Sun which catapulted you into some sort of action, didn't it? To be honest, I question, because I've read the article, I question how a journalist could ever write such an article without knowing that backstory. To me, it was desperate, gutter journalism. Uh, can you share with us a little about that article and the effect that it had? Yeah, thanks,
3: Narelle. I look, um, it was actually when I got out of jail, so it was um, after. Um, I so I was only in jail for nine months, and it was armed robbery, and I yeah, I, I should have or could have easily got three years, but um, aside from you know reasonable legal representation, it was. It was the fact that we were just going into COVID, and everyone was panicking. And it was um, they were preferring to give community corrections orders and other types of um, sanctions as opposed to putting people back into jail. Um, there was the feeling that they were just holding on to this moat, um, preventing COVID from getting into jail So they'd cut off, um, they'd cut off visitors, they'd cut off all sorts of things, and. So I was fortunate to be in that in that situation. the, the Herald Sun article—it wasn't the, fir- the the first one was horrible, but the second one was more humiliating, which which named me as one of Melbourne's three dumbest criminals. Um, that was quite embarrassing. That came out sort of six months afterwards. Um, but look, like it it probably did catapult me into some action, and initially it was catapulted me into PTSD. Um, but um, ultimately, it was part of my redemption um, determination where it was this is now you know the top Google search and it's why I moved from Stuart Holmes to Stu Holmes um, spoiler alert it won't make any difference it'll still find you um, but um, I didn't want I didn't want my boys to have this legacy hanging over them and so I now do everything and doing this podcast and other other work that I'm doing is slowly pushing more positive things up onto Google. And uh, look, um, online brand is important. Online, particularly if you care about those um, who love you and you love because we don't live in isolation. We don't live, you know, as Buddhist monks. And that's what I I was thinking when I was – and it wasn't much partying, you know. I can tell you that right now. There was there was well, a lot can, of drugs, yeah. there was a lot of alcohol, but not much. You know, if me if me staying okay. in the shed shed because my partner wouldn't allow me in the bed was 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 partying. Then yes, there was partying, but no, it was it was a pretty uh, pretty low state, and yeah, pretty bad journalism as well. But hey, it is what it is.
2: Actually, we haven't actually, and I feel like I don't want to uh, appear that we are ignoring what you did. We haven't actually spoken about it. Could you? Uh, I'm happy to just briefly say it, or could you about th- this? Is just how low you got and how affected you got by drugs and alcohol, and just don't do it because no. what Stuart did was a 15 minutes probably of. Absolute madness, mm. uh, and it affected your whole life. Um, I, I just don't want to appear like we're brushing over it um, and not talking about it because you did it, and that's why you went inside. Do mm. you want to, or would you mind just sharing what you did?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it, it's the catalyst for change, so I'm, I'm more than happy to. And I, mm-hmm. um, I, I look, I laugh about it in some senses now. Um, and that's because if you don't laugh, you cry. But it's also because it's behind me and it's not me anymore. And I don't laugh because of the torment that I created for the people um, that were victims um, in that in that post office who were who were frightened. But no, no I I woke up on the morning. In fact, I didn't wake up. I'd been awake for three days and um, a bottle of vodka, and um, I'd just had enough. And I was, um, I was paranoid because I'd been taking a lot of ice and I felt that I was um, being watched and everything was being recorded and I'd got to that level of um, forensic paranoia. And I thought it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to be seen. It doesn't, life's irrelevant and that's kind of the headspace I was in. I was bawling my eyes out. I put on a ski mask or a scuba mask. Um, uh, balaclava I think and I took a bag and I skateboarded down to the closest post office um, with a knife in my hand and walked in and said give us all your money and there was a girl who was um, 16 or 17 who was recording it all and she thought it was a joke Um, Mm
0: -hmm. hence
3: why there was a video of me um, mm. And everyone just froze and the people behind the counter gave me the money and off I took on the skateboard. And um, about 15 CCTVs um, out the front of people's houses saw me skateboarding down my street. Um, I came into my house. I don't know where the money went. I either dropped it somewhere along the way or, or something, and evidently it was $6,000, but I never, never saw that. And I – got into my house and I collapsed and passed out on the couch and 20 minutes later half an hour later there was 16 policemen and I'm lying on my couch in my underwear um saying, you know you're coming with you're coming with us mate and I'm the so next thing I was uh, in handcuffs and um, off to MRC so that was the the, the brilliant strategy and um, plan that I had to collect some money and that's where it That's where it took me. So, yeah, I was one of Melbourne's, you know, dumbest is probably not the right word, but most foolish people and um, humiliating because it was so poorly executed, but um, also just, you know, terribly um, tragic in that I was going through so much grief at not seeing my sons and where my life had gotten to that I just didn't care. I wanted to get shot. I wanted to die and nothing. There was no fear of consequences. There was no feeling of um, anything really. I was just, I was numb. I was, you know, not in a blackout but in a brownout for those who are heavy drinkers that understand that and, um, yeah, didn't care. Just there I was. That's what I did and um, handcuffs was, was my reward.
2: Yeah, gee, and I suppose that's the message. One of the many messages through this podcast is that that is where um, drug taking and alcohol can take you to 15 minutes that changed your whole life. Mm. And I suppose that's um, a really important message that, you know, don't get to that point there's so much help out there but oh you but you want to you need you sorry you want to get that help in some ways but in other ways you think what's the point so uh, you know it's a difficult place to be I've uh, you know obviously I've never been in that situation but I think oh please don't let it get to that because look what it's you know look at your life and what it's done and thank god you're doing what you're doing to try and turn it well it sounds like you are turning everything around but you know what's Stu? Mm. sometimes there's not things you can turn around and that's one of the things you've got to live with it don't you
3: yeah i've got to live with it and look now it's very much part of who i am and uh what drives me yeah. to do what i do um but yeah certainly drugs and alcohol will lead to spontaneous decisions and erratic behavior but you know roll that into grief and other other mental illness and it's a terrible recipe for um decision making and yeah that's 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 where I was and I've heard a lot of people through doing that and um I'm now uh mending those relationships and uh you know life's good now I have a seven month old staffy I have a great partner a bunch of friends and I don't have that pit in the bottom of my stomach that just constantly feels sick and anxious and wriggling around with um all sorts of other um, rotten things inside. I feel comfortable about myself. I can look in the mirror now, even though I've chucked on twenty kilos, um, and <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm I'm reasonably, reasonably content with the with the man I'm becoming and um, what I've yeah. achieved in the last few years.
2: I hope I hope you feel very proud of yourself, Stu. Look, uh, in closing, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for giving those who may have lost ev- nearly everything something to hang hang on to or something to work toward, particularly with the Green Collar Brigade. And also, I'd like to put a bit of a plug in there, which I didn't realise there was such a, a, um, an organisation called 21 Fathers. Um, and, you know, there are um, the, the, I don't know if you want to actually say, but where your mum is part of this group, is that a, a, a just a, a little group or is it something different um, uh, factions within different areas uh, that support parents that kids have been inside? Is is that something we can yeah, give look, a plug to as well?
3: It, it, it's a Christian fellowship um, group, so it wouldn't be for everyone. And Mum, um, who's a very strong Christian, um, was part of that. And look, sometimes the, the people who are coming out of jail who I find working with um, to be the easiest are often those who have had some sort of conversion experience or have attended AA while they've been in jail, or mm. um, you know something else has um, has triggered the change. And a lot and look, there's apprenticeships and there's all sorts of things that, that do that. And we look at the recidivism rates, which is repeat offending. And I, I think within two years, thirty percent of people have reoffended, but. 60, 67% haven't, and um, that's because of some of the stuff that goes on in jail, but it's also because of programs like us, the assistance of wise employment, um, and, you know, there's the Salvation Army, there's, there's countless organisations. You just have to look, and I think that's one of the things that um, we often don't do for ourselves. It is that look if we look further into our, into our brain and into our pain, Um, then we're not going to find the answers if we start helping others and we start looking out beyond ourselves and having some hope. Um, There are a lot of um, organisations and people that will help you. Anyone who wants to get in touch with me, um, my website is thegreencollar.com.au or greencollarbrigade.org or Contact Wise Employment and you can do our program and we'll throw everything we can to try and help you get work um, and get yourself out of perhaps the mental space that you're in and become part of a collective tribe of, of people who've changed their lives and um, continuing to better themselves and yeah
2: mm. come alive again yeah well I love what you do Stu um, good luck with everything um you better go and uh, uh, tend to that little girl of yours. Okay. Wondering, she she needs the, daddy. You can probably
3: hear her <laughs> through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably my, little, my little staffy Esther is barking as well because it's raining and she doesn't have a walk. So no, I'm really, I'm, I'm honoured to be able to um, to share this with you, Narelle, and, um, yeah, I, absolutely anyone can contact me who has uh, a son or a daughter in jail or wants to um, get some sort of uh, some sort of assistance when they come out and it's a growing industry but we're a big part of it so thank you
2: oh I love what you do and good luck with everything in the future Stu thank you okay thank you thank you you've probably noticed we've moved to a new platform called acast i think that's the right expression i've got no idea and my previous reviews haven't transferred over i need reviews (laughs) could you do me a favor and put up a review and thank you so much for your support and patronage with your help i can give you that little bit extra thanks